I typically get extremely nervous when I'm about to record with you guys, for you guys. And I think that comes from this idea that I have that the first few lines of anything that I introduce out there to the world have to be poignant and they have to be impacting. It has to be a good hook so that you'll want to stay with me for the remaining of, um, of our time together. And so when I sit here in my room and I press play or record and I start talking about something, if the intonation of my voice is right, if I don't feel that I have enough gravel or gravity in, in my voice, um, if I, the soundtrack isn't quite feeling right to me, then I'll stop and I'll start again and I'll stop and I'll start again until I feel that it's right. But the longer that that goes, the more that I get into my head and I think, I am sounding like an idiot, maybe I just should stop altogether and come back to this at a later date. Now, I have the presence of self to know that when shit's got to get done, shit's got to get done, and so I overcome it, but it's not an easy process. And for anybody who cares about what they're doing, you know exactly what I'm talking about, because the feeling, the satisfaction of knowing that you did your best and you delivered that to the world for the review, that's a fantastic feeling. It's so great that you'll go through the same challenges over and over again because you know that it's going to be welcomed um, by an audience that trusts you and that wants you to, to hear you out or to read you or to look at your piece of art. But anybody that says, well, this is easy, is fooling themselves. It's not. It's made look easy by people that work very, very hard. So with that being said, do I have, typically when I, I'm about to talk to you, I have an overall agenda. I sit down and I have a few jotted down notes of what is it that I want to talk about? What points I want to get to? Here is the story that I'm going to tell, I'm going to start with, that is going to merge into an overall thesis. And then at the very end, I am going to tell you the one, two, three bullet points of things that you should um, enact when it's all in said and done. Uh, I was taught very early on in real estate school, for lack of a better term, that you always have to ask for what is our next step, right? When you make a sale, then you have to ask what is the next step? Because in doing that, it puts things in motion. It's great to close. But there is always a next step. There's always else that we can do. So, for instance, if you close the, uh, if, if you ask somebody, well, do you agree, you know, that you want to sell your house with me? And the answer is yes. Well, the question is, what is our next step? And that would be, well, we have to sign the listing contracts. If you close on the sale of a home, what is our next step? Well, for me, in my head, that means I now I have to start working on a retention plan for you because anybody who's been in business a long time knows that it's very, very expensive, extremely expensive to gain a new customer versus maintaining the relationship that you have with one. And if you're going to be in business for a long time, you know that referrals are key. So if you've already gone through the expense of making a customer and satisfying the customer's need with a sale or whatever the case is, then the next step is retaining that customer. And so I always ask that question of myself so that I know that the job is not done, I got to continue it. So what's the next step? Well, in this case, I don't have an agenda written out. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that 
I have some recordings, uh, some interviews coming up in the weeks to follow that I am extremely excited about. Uh, and I am starting to prep for those. And just to give you a preview of that, it include working on thinking about uh, tantric sex, thinking about uh, the mise en scene, of, or in, in other words, and it's a term for basically all of the, the setup in a theater, in theater of all the different things of where they're going to be in a, in a theater production that are, is going to be available to the audience. And so I'm thinking about that because it relates to the couple that I'm going to be talking to and how they go about their business. So that's going on through my head, and I'm, and I'm starting to do the research. Whenever I do an interview, I like to be as prepared as possible from the standpoint of trying to really get to know that those individuals, not on a base level, but deeper than that, so that the questions that I ask are perhaps something that they have not heard before, or if they have heard it before, give it enough of a spin so that they have to think about it. Maybe just approach it from a slightly different angle. What I'm trying to say is that I don't like to bore my guests. I want them to be challenged in a positive way. I want our feedback to be uh, one where they walk away and think, I've grown from this interview. Because those are the ones that I think are the best. But because all of that is going on in my head, plus a lot, you know, everyday life, I haven't really had the time to set up a overall good agenda to, to you know, of a th topic or a theme to share with you guys today. So I thought, you know, if it was okay with you, uh, to kind of just ramble and just share with you just a few things a la carte that are going on in this Hugo brain. Um, and you'll follow me through that and then, you know, come back in the next couple of, in the ne next week or so once I interview some people and, and, and hear them out because I think all of my guests are terrific or at least all of the guests that I've had so far have been terrific. So to start with, um, I'll begin with the fact that money is tight here at Casa Torres, at least currently. This hasn't, we have had a super busy summer, an extremely fun summer. I've talked about some, some of those things on the podcast over, over the last few weeks. But they included family coming in and staying with us for about a month and a half uh, between my you know, travels that my daughter took, uh, travels that I took with my son, family coming into town for graduations. Um, all of those things were fun and terrific, but it included dinners out. It included, uh, you know, travel to uh, touristy like uh, destinations here throughout, you know, Southern California. And nothing is cheap here where I live. And so to host a family, you know, to host people for a month and a half, it can be very draining on funds. In addition, we just started the beginning of the year, and for any parents out there, you know that there is considerable investment every single time you go into school. Kids need new shoes, they need new clothes, and we're not fancy pants people, literally and figuratively. You know, the kids do with hand-me-downs from friends. We're totally cool with that. Um, but shoes are something that, you know, you can't really do very well with that, so you got to invest in that. Um, there's going to be new clubs and organizations that are going to be part of. Well, each one of them have registration fees. Um, there's sport programs that they're involved with. There's a cost to that. There's a transportation back and forth between all those things. We need to account for that. Moreover, there are bills that sometimes just come up and they all, con you know, they all just get piled up right on top of, um, of one another in a short, relatively short period of time. And so those have taken their toll. We have insurance bills that have come in. Um, 
you know, and utility bills because of the expense of keeping a house cool during the summer have not been cheap. And so this perfect storm of things has come. And, oh, and one more thing, I typically am not as busy during the summer times, right? The kids are at home, and so I'm here, you know, maintaining the household. And so I am not in about earning an income as well as I do once they go back to school. And so that also depletes funds. So again, back to the perfect storm means that all of a sudden we are looking at our budget for the next several weeks and thinking these are going to be very lean days. And I hate these times of the year. They're very few and far between, but whenever they do come, they are taxing on my wife and they are taxing on me. I worry about her and she worries about me. Because we we have never wanted to be, we never be wanted to be paycheck to paycheck. That's not how we enjoy being. Uh, and when, on occasion when that does happen, it's extremely troubling. Now, like I've talked before in the show, who do you know? What are your resources, right? The good thing about uh, the way that we have set up our household is that we have uh, you know, healthy reserves. They're not opulent, but they're reserves. And so that will come into play as, you know, during these um, these days that are going to be a little bit tough. You know, what do they say? Save money for a rainy day? Well, that is what we do, and we've been doing that for a long, long time. And again, there's no opulence here. So if you think that you're going to get any money from me because of whatever reason, trust me, there's, no, there's not a lot of money to get. But we have planned ahead you know, decades ahead for just in case that we have these couple of weeks here and there. The challenge, though, and the reality is, is though, though we know, I know we're going to weather the storm and we have resources to cover things, is the psyche that uh, troubles me during these, these turns. And that's the concept of am I doing enough? Am I a good enough provider? Um... Am I carrying my weight enough? And here's the kicker, as a man. Because uh, although I am, I applaud the fact that, you know, I, I applaud a lot of the growth that I've made in myself uh, in, in the 40 years that I've been alive. Um, every now and then, a little bit of that machismo that I grew up with rever reverts and, and I feel it like, oh, fuck, I'm failing as a man. I'm not doing enough as a man. Now, that's something that I speak openly with my wife about, these feelings, uh, those insecurities. And we have a dialogue back and forth. And I'm having this dialogue with you because I am certain that I'm not the only man that has ever felt that, especially when times are tough. Here's the thing, though. Um, that... It's, it, it's momentary when that happens because I have now experienced life at the, you know, the person who spends the majority of the time at home to know that the work that goes on within the household, it is tough and it's never ending. What do I mean by that? We all got to eat every single day. And if you give a shit, that means that you want to make sure that your family is eating the best that they can. Again, not in opulence, not frivolously, but they, uh, that they are eating healthy, that the meals are home-cooked, that the 
you know, that the uh, vegetables that are being eaten are fresh, that the meats are good, that they're in healthy quantities, that, um, that, they, that it happens at a relatively good time so that they have time to digest before they go to bed. All of those calculations are not easy to make. Maintaining those house economics are hard and it takes a long time. I've, I've been at it for about four years now, guys. And even then I still struggle because life throws you curveballs. During the summertime, anybody who's followed my Instagram has been you know, looking at all of the meals that I make. And I know you fuckers do because you send me the text messages and I always send you the recipes. And thank you for everybody who has sent me a message and saying, hey, that was a fantastic meal. Thanks for um, suggesting it. But during the summer, it's, it's easy. I have you know, a relatively a great, you know, great deal of time to do it. All of a sudden, as we start the school year, now, because I volunteer at, at our middle school as one of the coaches, I have late um, practices, sometimes as late as 4.30 or 5. If I start prepping a meal at that time, we're screwed because we won't be eating until 7 or you know, 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock. And that's relatively late. So what does that mean? Well, during the, uh, the hour windows that I have in the morning, I am prepping. And if you, again, if you follow the Instagram into some degree in the Twitter machine, you've been seeing that I am prepping sometimes at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, so, I mean in the morning, so that way when I get home in the afternoon, things are ready to go. In addition, at the beginning of every, because our money is, is, is tighter and we need to plan ahead, every single Sunday we're sitting down and we're talking about what's in our freezer, what's in our fridge, what can we, we, what's in our pantry, what can we use this week and actually use what we're purchasing. Today, it happens to be bok choy. They'll be fantastic, I promise you. So, that's, you know, those, that, that's just part of it. Then, it, it, it just it, prepping for the food. Then, with the kids, their, their schedules, the fact that they have to come and for, go from, from school, that they are now having practices. Each one of them has decided to do a different sport, and so that's going to be, so I have to account for that and make sure that, 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 that I'm getting to them. All of that is... All of that has to coordinate with not only my wife's calendar, but also coordinate with my, with my calendar. And we also have family that extends outside of that, right? Then you have this concept of just maintaining the household. Uh, I am for as far as this school, you know, as this uh, home is concerned, I am its plumber, I'm its carpenter, I am its gardener. Uh, <laughs> The, the, you know, the guy that does all the laundry, for the most part, again, the kids are helping and it's important for them to help and they have their own duties. But, for, but not, you know, the, the, the preponderance of all of that rests on my shoulders. And that's not a complaint. I actually enjoy doing it. And for all of you fellow podcasters, you should know that that's typically when I'm listening to your shows and getting ready to give you feedback because I believe in giving back. And then I actually have work that I have to do. As I'm a real estate agent, many of you guys know that, and I have clients that I need me that need to look at properties that uh, you know that I have to go show homes to, that I need to preview homes for all of that, and I do some other odd jobs around around town. So all of that is has to be managed, has to be triaged, has to be figured out before uh, 5:30 or so before my wife comes home. Because I have made a commitment to myself that whenever she gets home, the, it should be ready to go. Meaning, food is made, um, 
tea, you know, the tea, whatever we want to watch is, is on. The kids' lunches have been made for the next day. They make their own lunch. I don't make it for them, but I get on them to do it. That the house is in relatively good order so that she doesn't have to worry about things because she's been working her nine to five. She's coming home with all of the, you know, with the with that mindset of time to debrief from a long day of work and all the challenges that go on with all the office politics and all the things that go on in every day's work. I like for her to not have that and to have house things that she has to deal with. That's my duty. That's my gig. And also, it opens it up so that we then have, if we don't have to worry about all of this other stuff, then we have the opportunity to talk to one another and that we can discuss the day's events and that can be her sounding board and she could be mine. And so, in any, on any given day, I'm running around, you know, like a chicken with its head cut off, although I like to think that I have a method of my madness, to make sure that all of that is being accomplished and it's being accomplished right. So, no, do I think that my, the work that I do at home has no value? No. If I were to, add, you know, to do, do what I do hourly, I would be fucking expensive. But sometimes, again, especially when the monies are tight, I, I revert and I think, well, what is it enough? And, and that's where my wife and I have conversations. And, and, and as I've talked about in the show before, I'm also going through a midlife crisis of sorts, <laughs> relax, I'm not getting a car and I'm not going to go, you know, fuck a 20-year-old. But I'm having a midlife crisis of sorts where I'm starting to think about what's going to be the next stage in life for me? What is it that I'm going to do? I have a lot going on in my brain. There's, there's so many thoughts and ideas that are going on. How can I uh, give them a shape and how can I manifest them to, to people so that it, it brings value to humanity. Is that grandiose? Maybe, but that's, there's, there's a lot of thought that I have to give and I want to make sure that if, if it's, it's, it's helpful because trust me, there's a lot of people out there who are using their talents for no good. So that's a component of what's going, uh, what's going on in life. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that when it comes to money, how far ahead are you planning? You know, the reason why we have reserves is because we have been we have been forced by ourselves to continue to give money, to put money away every single month. And how do we do that? I'll give you a quick story. Back when my wife and I were in our mid-20s, we had our first condo, and one day we got a knock on the door, and... Um, the gal at the, you know, she was from um, financial investment type of place. And they were going to gather all the people in our condo complex to sit down and talk about their futures. And so, you know, we're 20. We have, you know, we're like, sure, we'll go listen to it. It's probably going to be some kind of sales pitch, but why not? And we heard them out. And, you know, what they had to say actually made sense for us. You know, you put your money in, in certain accounts and then you, you, you make a point to automatic have those funds automatically withdrawn and what they did is that they managed those funds to make sure that they were as profitable as possible uh, that's a very layman's to, way to go about it it's a lot more complicated than that but that was the basic idea from your paycheck every single month you should have a certain amount of money that you will never see that goes automatically to your savings for lack of a better term or your investments and those investments over time um, if managed correctly will grow 
because you're talking about you know the use of percentages, and I'm sure there's a better term for it than that that I'm not thinking of right now, but that you are using the power of accruing to make your nest egg larger and larger. And so if you've ever had a 401k, if you have ever had an IRA, if you have had any account that's anything other than a savings account from your average bank, you know what it is that I'm talking about. And so we heard that, we, we signed up, interestingly enough, and we started just setting off a certain percentage of our daily, you know, of our weekly, bi-weekly income just to go to these accounts. At the very beginning, it was a very small amount of money because we weren't making a bank. But as time has progressed, those funds have become larger and larger and larger to the point now that, you know, we have, again, not opulent, but as, you know, a healthy nest egg, one that is managed and it's not touched by us and, and, it's, and it's dealt with. But you could say, and I've talked to a lot of people, especially folks in their mid-30s and their late-40s, who are like, well, I'm, it's too late. And the, and the fact is that it's not, not, not really. You've got to start somewhere. And if you haven't started by now, I think you, should, uh, you, know, you definitely should, uh, should talk to somebody. I don't believe in that sense of endorsing companies because I don't know what your situation is in life. If you want to know more about who we use, I'll be more than glad to tell you. You can send me a Twitter message or on the Twitter machine or you can send me a message on the, on, on the InstaFace. But if you haven't thought about that, I, I really think that you should. And I think the reason why you definitely should start thinking about that now is the fact that um, the recession is on its way. And that's not a good thing for the country. But my understanding of economics has been is that when times have been tough for most, that is when a good portion of people that want to earn wealth actually make it. It's not easy. It takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of research. But money can be made during downturns. You just have to have expert guidance in doing so. And so this may be the opportunity that you were waiting for and you, the only thing you got to do is start asking. And trust me when I say that when it, it becomes an automatic thing, when you're being forced to save automatically, you stop thinking about it. You just figure out a way to budget around it. But if you don't do it, you will always, well, nine times out of ten, you will spend the money that you make. Because it, there's always an outlet to purchase it in. There's a new streaming service that you could get. There's a new membership down the street that you can go out there and get for a gym, right? What's wrong to go out in there and get, you know, go get a few burgers instead of, you know, using what you have at home? And I'm not knocking for you to do that. I do it too. But you do enough of that that you end up spending the, you know, the, the, the whole paycheck that you get and you cheat yourself of the opportunity to have a rainy day fund. And as we all know, it eventually always rains. So that's one of the things that are, that's going on in my mind. The final thing, and I, and I guess where I'll, where I'll leave it is, is the fact that I have been receiving the compliment lately of the fact that whenever I talk to anybody, whether it's in real life or it's on interviews, the comment that I've gotten is it felt like I was talking to an old friend, even though we were relatively new to one another. And... I am extremely appreciative of that. 
I would like to think that over the course of many, many years, I have developed um, a way of being that is welcoming, non-threatening. That doesn't mean pushover, but it just means that I want to hear you more than I talk. I want to ask questions that drive you to think. I want to do my research on the uh, you know before we even speak so that when you and I have a conversation that you know that I am invested that I actually care about what your expertise is or what your you know yeah what you're what you know what you're good at what is that about I want to know enough so that I can ask enough questions um, but then I want you to take over from there it's uh, you know the, the the thrill of my life to all of a sudden find myself doing the thing that I've loved doing the most, and that's talking to strangers. Um, it's ironic, I guess, to a certain degree, because when I grew up, that was the one thing that you should never do. But as an adult, I have found that I have had the best conversations in life, and I've gotten myself into some tricky and fun and adventure situations because I took the time to talk to a stranger and say hello. Um, and in, in that process, I have made mistakes, um, but I have learned enough that oftentimes the world just seems so much more open to me. And that's a wonderful thing to, that's a wonderful way to be. I love the openness of where I'm at in life right now. I love the fact that um, the other day I was talking to my wife and I did an interview, which you should definitely check out, on um, luxury sex towels with Anna Ray. Um, the link is on, on the Instagram and, and I'm sorry, on the Twitter machine and, and I'll make sure to put it in the show comments here. But I did an interview and um, I went home, my wife and I were talking on our daily walks or we, whenever we have a chance to walk. and. And I was telling her about that interview. And my wife is, I wouldn't say conservative, but if I am the one that likes to talk to anybody, she's the one that is okay with me, allowing me to talk to anybody. And she'll just sit in the back and just kind of listen and, and chuckle and guffaw. But uh, she'll chime in whenever she has to, but she won't, be, she won't be the one that makes the first move. And so I was telling her about the conversation and... We had a laugh and we talked and uh, about it, and, and then you know we we discussed what it is that we do, you know, and, and the reason for the product and some of the conversation, you know, some of the surrounding uh, dialogues that we had about um, you know, the need for these towels, which I'm you know pretty convinced we're going to be getting here some soon, and and I for half a second there as we were walking around our neighborhood, I thought I don't know what other couples talk about. They're probably similar to us. I just like to think that we're special. But I just talked to my girl about some bananas kind of concept that most people don't. And, and there was no judgment. And it was cool. She wasn't mad. Um, it was great. And so, you know, when I do that, or, or for instance, I, oftentimes one of the things that I enjoy doing, and I think you might want to do too, depending on who it is, always be safe, is the fact that if I talk to somebody in, uh, long enough on the Twitter machine and I know that they're relatively close, I will ask them out for coffee. Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. 
But whenever we have, we have the best talks. Um, and again, I like to think it's because, again, we have the familiarity of being online, but because I have an actual interest in who they are, not from a leery, hey, I'm trying, there's an agenda of how I want to get with you kind of deal, but from the standpoint of like, you're cool beans, I want to get to know you. And so, again, that compliment of, hey, I feel like I've been talking to all old friends for a long time, that's the best one that, that's the best one recently that I have been given and for the couple of people that have done so on DM or who have said it to me in, in real life here within the last few days, I want to thank you. You know who you are. Uh, with that being said, listen, guys, I know that this was not, you know, you probably didn't life, learn any life lessons from this one, but I do appreciate your ears. I do thank you for continuing to, to hearing me out and listening to me. Um, and I will talk, you know, oh, I will talk to you after the holiday break. By all means, be safe, be kind, peace.